Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. All right, Derek. It wasn't what I was asking for on the text line, although. It's funny. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. Derek texted in about, okay, it's a pun. What do you call it when James Bond takes a bath? Bubble 07. Okay, we're moving on from there. What I did ask a little while ago is what your favorite psalm is. And you can let me know again, 877-933-2484. I I should have saved that one, Derek, for Dad Joke Day, which I think is coming up. Is it? March or April, somewhere in there, and work with Carmen on having a dad joke show or something like that. What I did ask was about favorite psalms, and Anne said, hey, Psalm 103, love that one. Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Yep, Emily from Virginia, thank you for that. Uh, Lori talking about, well, for the last couple of months, my favorite has been Psalm 73, and I had to look that up. That's kind of a lament psalm, but a song of hope as well. Mary saying, oh, hard to choose. Psalm 8, 23, 91, 121, 158. I was going to get to that, Mary. You're getting ahead of me. Shirley saying in the entryway of our church, they have a passage from Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's in the entryway of the church that uh, she attends. And, uh, okay, Kim, here's where I stand a lot of the time. Yes, my favorite psalms would be Psalm 1 through 150. That That is the thing. I generally shy away when people say, hey, uh, what's your favorite this or that? What's your favorite candy bar? What's your favorite restaurant? Uh, what's your favorite book of the Bible? It's like, seriously? It's like asking me, which of my kids are my favorite? I love them all. Yes, I enjoy their individuality and such, but I love them all. But that said, there are some psalms that do tend to rank higher. Yes, Psalm 1, love that one. Been through some hard times. So the uh, howling psalm, Psalm 113, how long is refrained in that. That one's meant a lot to me. Psalm 22, the one that kind of predicts, well, it does predict Jesus' suffering on the cross on our behalf. Um, That's their Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 90, the song of Moses has been jumping out at me a lot lately. Love Psalm 121. Okay, I could go on. There's a lot of good psalms. But one last year really entered the group of my favorites, Psalm 145. And I'm going to explain why. Let's just read some portions of it. Because, okay, last year, a little backing up, I was reading through the Bible, through actually through the book of Psalms, over and over and over. That was part of my devotional, just to really get used to that. And that's when Psalm 45, 145 really jumped out at me. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. God is great as the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I meditate. Let's jump quickly to verse 8 because this is the first thing that jumped out at me. 
the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. And I hope that sounds familiar to you. If not, go back to Exodus 33 and especially 34. Israel, the people of Israel sinning, building an idol. God threatens to not go with them into the Holy Land. Moses intercedes. Some might say he argued with God. I, I Pretty close to it. And to the point that God agreed to stay with Israel and go with them. And then Moses asked something really curious of God. He asked, let me see your glory. And God says, okay, I'll do something like that, because you can't look on me and live. But I will pass by you, Moses, letting you see my back, as it were, and proclaim to you my name. Then in Exodus 34, verse 6, God proclaims the glory of his name, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. King David, when he wrote the psalm, is, again, seeing this person that Moses saw as his king, and he's, he's proclaiming his allegiance to that king, keeping in mind the promises of Moses that God is great and forgiving. But then it continues. The next thing that jumped out at me, that really, that was big, but the next thing is bigger. The Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all he has made. All his work shall give thanks to him. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. Because in verse 13, he jumps to this. And again, one of those things that just jumped out at me. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. Okay, why did it jump out at me? Well, as I was doing this read-through of the book of Psalms over and over and over again last year, the church I attend we were doing a study in the book of Daniel. And as the pastors were preaching through that, guess what bug, guess what jumped out at me? There were some passages that came out that just had me bug-eyed in wonder because that phrase, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations, was quoted or paraphrased by two different kings, both of them Gentile kings. Remember that all, God is good to all, and all, uh, merciful, all he's made. All, again, the all phrases that was used before that, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. Yeah, it, it, it happened. About 500 years before David, or after David, when the people of Israel were in exile in Babylon, the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar was ruling, and God in his grace reached out to Nebuchadnezzar through the prophet Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, there's part of this story that includes Nebuchadnezzar being warned a dream, don't boast about your greatness, but he did. So God caused him to become like an animal and a madman for seven years until he was willing to humble himself and look up to God. Daniel includes the story as Nebuchadnezzar shared it there. And he starts his story with a psalm or a little song of praise and ends it. And what phrases are in there? Yeah, check it out. Uh, Daniel 4, 3 and also Daniel 4, 34. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Further, King Darius, you know, the whole thing with Daniel in the lion's den, God delivering Daniel and... Darius putting out a proclamation, which is found in Daniel 6, 26 and 27, to honor the God of Daniel, who, for his kingdom shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall, there shall be no end. Kind of 
Okay, more of a paraphrase, but still echoing that phrase. I know we, why does it excite me? Because I know we live in a time where God seems to be mocked or minimalized. Life can be hard. Sickness, loneliness, despair, the, this, this kingdom God's promising, this that we think about and when we look at Scripture more and look toward the book of Revelation in the end when all things are made right. <laughs> we look forward to that day when our tears will be dried and all things are made new. Yeah, God's kingdom is coming, that everlasting kingdom. But here's the thing. These unbelieving emperors were brought to belief and joined David 500 years later also in the hope that we have. David had the hope. They became to ha- have the hope. And yes, we're all going to enjoy that hope in the future. I guess that just kind of really, really got me excited. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen, helping you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And okay, we all know the phrase, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Are we not afraid of the gospel? Actually, do we really believe in the power of the simple gospel itself, the power of the cross, when we talk to other people, when they bring up some of the issues of the day? I was challenged on this because sometimes we get so good about um, arguing various points, whether on social media, you know, about policy and all this other stuff, which these things are important, yes. But when it comes to engaging with somebody, are we more interested in winning the fight or winning the person? There was an article recently at the Gospel Coalition written by Maureen Graff. She's a student in Johannesburg, South Africa. And she got me thinking about this, so I wanted to talk to her. She joins us next here on Mornings Without Carmen, here on Faith Radio. So how do you respond when in a conversation you hear someone say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a fan of church, it's a literal cult. Or how about Jesus never condemned transgenderism? Do your alarm bells go off? Do you get defensive? And are you ready to do battle? You know, gloves on, let's do this. Is that the best posture? Joining me right now is Maureen Graff. She is currently a student in psychology down in Johannesburg, South Africa. So it's kind of cool to have somebody from the uh, the south side of the uh, planet talking to us. But uh, Maureen, thanks for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. I'm really excited to have a chat. I, I'm excited about this, too. I saw your article at the Gospel Coalition, Winning People, Not Arguments. And, okay, this is hard for a lot of us, I have to admit, because we hear somebody say something, and we want to win the argument. Now, you, you went through this, because along with being a student, congrats, I, I thank you, I salute you for being one who's willing to share your faith or try and engage people who are not Christians, but you hit a stumbling point in there. I want you to share maybe a story about one of the people you were talking to and what we're trying to illustrate here of fighting the right way. Yeah. So um, I think it is something that my generation struggles with a lot. Um, We consume a lot of media, a lot of YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. And um, particularly Western media, it's very political. It can get quite combative at points. And um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of apologetics and I love defending the Bible and I love defending its values. And um, when points of debate come up, 
as they always do in university settings. Um, it's not always, you know, a battle like head on head, it's sometimes just polite back and forths, but it's so easy to get caught up in um, trying to win an argument with someone um, and thinking that, okay, you know, I'm just planting the seed. This is evangelism. Um, but if we stop for a moment and think about it, like I did and see that, you know, hearts aren't really changing through these, these kinds of conversations, we, we come to realize that if, if Christ isn't the center of our witness, then it's not really evangelism at all. And so, um, when I got the topic to write the article, which is how to evangelize Gen Z, that was something that I was reflecting on and um, I wrote about it and I puzzled it out. <laughs> well, is there a particular person? I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking for a story about some particular person. You have to give their name, but tell us about that dialogue that you didn't think really landed the plane well. So oh, there's been a lot. Um I, I've had a few. There was one conversation that I had with someone who really believed in astrology and we were up until four in the morning debating about it. And she was just not convinced at all by anything I had to say. Um, I've also had a lot of conversations with people who believe in gay marriage um, and I would try to or abortion and I would try to point by point kind of logically explain explain the implications of Christianity and why it's not right. But, um, you know, I would think about it afterwards and realize these people, they don't believe in the primary basis of Christianity, which is Christ. And so it's very hard if you don't believe in that basis to believe the implications thereafter. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Again, we're talking the kinds of conversations I had. <laughs> Again, we're talking with uh, Maureen Graff, a student of psychology down in what's the college you're going to down in Johannesburg? So I was at the University of Pretoria, okay, and then I was in Cornerstone, which is in Cape Town. Now I'm back up in Joburg. Okay. Joburg, you call it, huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you were making this transition in your mind, it brings up the question, okay, you talked about the implications of the gospel of Christ, but we need to give them Christ. So how did you change the way you were doing that? I started realizing that when you're speaking to someone about the gospel, you're not speaking against them as if they're the enemy. You really have to see this person as a person, listen to who they are. Well, Jesus had the wonderful ability to see someone and know everything about them, but we don't have that ability. So um, once you listen to someone, um, hear their life story, you're able to walk alongside them and speak the gospel into their lives in a way that um, showcases Christ. So instead of this picture of a battle where it's to you fighting against the other person and your own knowledge is the weapon, um, it's rather this posture of the heart where you're walking alongside someone, listening to them and showing them who Christ is. That was kind of the shift in posture that I learned to take. Posture is important, isn't it? Very, very much so. And when you have the posture of walking alongside somebody, how does that affect you as the person engaging? It's a lot more difficult to walk alongside someone because that showcases true care and love for the other person. And it shifts the reliance of what you're trying to do off of yourself onto God and the Holy Spirit. 
and there's a lot of prayer and wisdom that needs to be involved in that. It um it forces humility, which I think is quite important when you're trying to engage and connect with non-believers or even lukewarm Christians in terms of the gospel. Yeah, it's that humility. It does make a huge difference. Again, we're talking with Maureen Graff. And Maureen, actually, I'm going to ask you just one more question here. And that has to do with, do you think we're really trusting what the gospel really does offer the world? Because sometimes it feels like if I just fight this right way, you were talking before about if I have all the right answers, and yet are we trusting the gospel and the power of it itself? Oh, that's a big question. I think it's um, our natural human inclination is to trust ourselves in our own knowledge. And, you know, Paul says in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, he says, we do demolish arguments. And that's why I think that apologetics, there is a place for it, but we don't wage war as the world does we use weapons of truth and and you know the holy spirit and the simple gospel and so i think our natural tendency is to rely on ourselves and our own knowledge and you know what we can do um but that's not speaking the truth in love and that's not humility i don't think so learning to to uh trust the gospel as opposed to our own knowledge is a something that we need to pray about every day it's a renewal thing but um, we can all learn to do that. Well, Maureen, thank you for doing what you're doing, engaging with uh, your peers in such a positive way and, you know, leaning into their lives uh, more deeply so you can love them better and show them Jesus better. Thanks so much, Paul. I'm really hoping, you know, it's a, it's a daily walk for all us Christians and we need so much wisdom and guidance, particularly for I'm thinking of the Gen Z as my generation when there's so much... Uh, calamity at the moment. So just a lot of prayer for wisdom. But thanks so much. You are very welcome. By the way, you can find the article I was referring to. You can find it at thegospelcoalition.org. It's called uh, Winning People, Not Arguments. Hey, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio, Mornings Without Carmen. We still have a few days left to the month of February. And, you know, a lot of people think of February as a month of love because of Valentine's Day. But I saw a love story I'm going to share with you in just a few moments because, well, first off, it's really a cool story. But it made me think about some other things as well. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. What season of life are you in right now? Season of life. There are lots of ways to answer that question. So what season of life are you in right now? You may feel as if you are in a season of hopeful expectation or a season of desperation. You may feel as if you are in a dry season or a rainy season or maybe a season of abundance. Maybe this is a transitional season for you. What season of life are you in right now? Let me say first that you're not alone in whatever season you are in. And let me also say that God wants to meet you and be with you in that current season, even in that season of wilderness or dryness. And God wants to lead you through that current season to the next one. Discover what God is doing in your life now and where he's leading next at this year's Set Apart Conference for Women. It's March 8 and 9 at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can register today at setapartconference.com. That's setapartconference.com. 
Wow, 75 years of Faith Radio. That's what we're also celebrating this month, the month of February. Matter of fact, if you haven't yet, you still have just a few more days to go to MyFaithRadio.com because, you know, since we're celebrating our 75th birthday, we're giving away the gifts. You have a chance to win one of 75 birthday boxes. That includes the Faith Radio 75th anniversary t-shirt, as well as the book by Brent Hansen, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, and other goodies as well. So, again, sign up at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be doing the giveaways, I think, on Thursday the 29th. I think that's right. But, yeah, you, you only have a little time left to make sure you get signed up. Of course, February, the month of, well, love. And did you have a have a sweetheart back in school when you were younger? I was thinking about that because... Okay, I had a childhood sweetheart when I was, like, in first grade. Uh, her name was Jessie. Not not my wife, Jessica. No, this was a different Jessie. Um, on the school bus we met, we just clicked, and we were, yeah, anyway. that We became we stayed friends through school and, you know, and such. Still are. I mean, we're, she lives with her husband down in Texas. We stay connected on Facebook and like that. But, you know, you move on, right? Well... This is an interesting story about Bill and Joanne. Bill Hassinger, who's 90, and Joanne Blake, uh, Blacken, who's 92. Now, when they went to school, Bill and Joanne, they were sent to the principal's office for <clears throat> smooching on the bus. Joanne had taken, or rather, Bill had taken Joanne to the prom. But after that, and after Joanne, who's a little older, graduated in 1949, 75 years ago, and she left to go off to college, they just kind of drifted apart. Since then, Joanne married and had three children before her husband died in 89. Bill, he joined the military, married a classmate, had three children, two of whom have since passed away. He's been widowed since 2021 after 68 years of marriage. Now, more than 70 years later, they seem to have picked up where they left off. Believe it or not, we're in love at our age, Joanne said. She lives in North Muskegon, and this was in People magazine. I know, I don't normally read People, but somebody shared this, and it was just so good. And anyway, she goes on to say, I want his hugs and kisses, and he feels the same way. It's just like, we're teenagers. Now, before they reconnected, Joanne had heard through a mutual friend that Bill was living near, um, I'm probably going to butcher this city, but uh, Ministi in Michigan and had retired as a lieutenant colonel from the Michigan State Police. And Joanne and her daughter, anyway, they were looking up old classmates in 2022 for the 73rd reunion when Joanne started wondering what happened to her old flame. We went our separate ways, Joanne said. I and and currently, you know, she said I was living alone all the time. I, I was and I certainly wasn't looking for love or a man, just kind of whatever happened to him. But she always had in the back of the mind, you know, I really did love that boy. Well, anyway, she thought she would contact him to reminisce and catch up. After chatting on the phone, the two of them met for lunch. Bill laughs, says, eh, she didn't look anything like I remember her 73 years ago. But yeah, I guess life does that. Bill, in this article, is the hopeless romantic. I might be a little on the hopeless side, but <clears throat> anyway, we'll get to that. But age had not dimmed the sparkle in her eyes, he said, and her vivacious spirit. At heart, she was still the high school majorette he remembered. And we just started having those same feelings again. And just as much, we're just as much in love, maybe more today, than we were when we were teenagers. Now, the couple tries to spend weekends together because, you know, Bill does live 80 miles away. 
and he is pondering somehow maybe the moving closer and such. But when they get together, they have a great time. We play lots of cards, cribbage, gin, and we work on puzzles, Bill says. But most of the time, we just enjoy each other's company. What they uh, do do know is that they want to spend the rest of what they have in their lives. I mean, they're 92 and 90. Um, spend the rest of their lives together as well as they can. Now, they do mention that life has certain compromises, even at their age. Joanne insists on walking at least a mile a day. Uh, Bill's not as enthusiastic about it. Um, Bill laughs. Well, you know, walking for him is just a medium from getting from one place to another. I don't necessarily have to walk every day to remember how to do it. But... I walk because she likes to do it, and I like being with her. Like I said, he's not the most romantic, but he is pretty practical. I don't know if he's just being uh, snarky. But anyway, Linda says the couples are happy. Actually, they're giddy. And they talk about, you know, how since they've appeared on a local news show and a national morning show, they've gotten a little recognition. As a matter of fact, three or four times people have paid for their lunches. They just think that's cute. And they're just having a ball, enjoying time together. And it got me thinking, you know, reconnecting with an old love. Have you drifted from your first love? And I don't mean your high school sweetheart. Someone once said that the Bible is the greatest romance, you know, kind of in the, kind of in the mold of boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy pursues girl, boy wins girl back. But in this case, a loving God creates humanity. God loses humanity when humanity sins. But God pursues humanity, ultimately in Jesus, who paid the ultimate price and wins his bride back. Maybe when you were a kid, you believed in Jesus, but your heart's kind of grown cold to God. Or you feel he doesn't want you back. Guess what? He does. Since Adam and Eve fell, God has been pursuing us. He's pursuing you. If you want to rekindle that love, or maybe you want to know about that love for the first time, why don't you text the word FAITH to 41224. We have some friends at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association eager to reacquaint or maybe for the first time acquaint you with the lover of your soul. Again, you can text FAITH to 41224. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. Carmen's off this week. I'm Paul, and I got to tell you, back in 2020, uh, 2011-ish, I was really at a low point in my life. And I had begun, I guess I was beforehand, but, you know, I was a very performance-oriented guy, and let's just say my performance was getting increasingly lackluster. And at this low point in my life, somebody shared with me a video on vulnerability by B'nai Brown. Maybe you've seen that video. And it got me thinking about who am I being vulnerable with. But I thought, okay, before I just jump full bore into this, I talked to a, a trusted friend who used to be a professor of psychology here at the University of Northwestern, our parent company, and he said, well, that sounds interesting because it's similar to this ministry he mentioned called True Face in a book, which talked about living in God's grace, understanding God is not who I thought he was. And I'm, you know, because I saw God as demanding. I had to please God instead of just trusting him to lean into his grace. And through that, I had to put myself in certain environments to help me grow in that grace. First, I had to get that right view of God and of myself. And then I realized I needed friends who could walk with me because I can't do it alone. That's where the vulnerability aspect really kicked in. So I, I was thinking, who are, who are some guys that I know know me and knows, know when I'm blowing smoke, but I know love me? And I reached out to those guys. All of them said, we're on board. We want to help you walk through this. 
and they did. And I got myself also into broader communities where I could grow. Trueface meant a lot to me, still does. Robbie Angle from Trueface is going to join us next. And, you know, we need to think about the environments which help us grow in grace well. Because a lot of us try to do it Lone Ranger style. It doesn't work. Stay with me. Robbie uh, joins us shortly. This is Mornings Without Carmen on Faith Radio. Well, again, good morning. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Yesterday in parts of the upper Midwest, temperatures soared into, well, about 30 degrees above normal, like the Twin Cities hit around 60. Gets you thinking springtime, gets you thinking about gardening, which I do a little bit of, uh, you know, deck gardening and such. But how about the garden of your heart? How's your spiritual life? Is it growing well? Joining me now is Robbie Angle. And Robbie, you're what? President of True Face these days, right? That's right. Oh, again, I was telling my True Face story just a few minutes ago. I don't know if you were able to hear it because we're having some audio problems, but um, it was back in about 2011 that I was just at the rock bottom and God brought True Face into my life, which was transforming. I know you have a True Face story as well. Would you quickly share that? Yeah, I I actually read the book in about 2011 uh, oh. as well, but it was actually slightly before that I was a missionary in northern northern Pakistan. So I was killing it for Jesus, right? Oh was, yeah, you were you were a lot of, you know, you're 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 performing the big stuff here. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I was uh doing aid work, missions work in northern Pakistan and internally I was a mess and I went through a season of brokenness through my ministry success all to come to the end of myself and realize the depth of my pride where God was just smiling at me saying, Robbie, stop. I don't need you to do anything for me. I've done it all. And I'd rather you spend more time receiving it than earning it. And Paul, that is way harder for me to receive his love than earn it as a doer, high drive, high achiever. So it's been about a part-time job trying to figure out the depth of my pride and the depths of his grace. <laughs> Only part-time and for true, you, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it's been a lot of work. Uh, and True Face gave teaching on how we see God, how we see ourselves, on grace and identity that accelerated that that process for me. And and I've it changed my life. And I bought enough copies of the book and infused it into the church I was working at that uh, the guys called me one day, so I got to know them, and mm-hmm. here I am. Ah, well, there you go, and I'm glad you're a part of, of True Face taking it up from uh, uh, Lynch and, and his team. I mean, they did a great job for years, but love how you're taking it into the, uh, into the next phase of the, of the ministry. Well, today I want us to think about the environments in which we grow, kind of like a garden, as I mentioned. And if we use that metaphor, as we were talking before, there's three elements we need to think through, and I want you to briefly explain each of those elements, and then we'll unpack them. Yeah, at, at risk of oversimplifying, we, we can think of an environment where all of us grow, because there's a, a art and a science to change, to growth, to spiritual formation, to discipleship, to following Jesus, whatever terminology you use. What is that environment that's conducive for growth? And there's really a, a couple parts of that. 
The first is is the sun as a metaphor to simplify a garden. The sun is our our view of God. Do we have a right view of God? And there's all kinds of clouds or dark that gets in the way of us seeing God the way he truly is uh, and therefore being able to receive his love. Wounds, lack of forgiveness, uh, bad theology, those are things that cloud our right perspective of God as the sun. And then uh, we like to think of the seed as our identity. Uh, how we see ourselves, because we often, uh, the root of most problems as a professional counselor is rooted in identity. And a lot of times uh, we don't see ourselves as the potential of who we are as Christ in us. We see ourselves, uh, to quote the cure, do we see ourselves as a saint who occasionally sins or a sinner striving to be a saint? For most of my life, I've seen myself as a a sinner striving to be a saint. So I focus more on the outside of the Mm -hmm. shell the, the protection, the walls, the, the how I present myself, that's the religious kind of structure of my life. But inside is where the DNA of an oak tree is, which is Christ in me. We've been given new hearts, as Roman teaches us. Romans teaches us. And, and then the soil is healthy, high-trust relationships and community. God's designed us to grow through the context of relationships. So like good soil for a seed to grow, uh, that, that is a healthy, heart-focused community. Right. Again, Robbie Angles, our guest right now here on Mornings with Carmen, as we talk about what we need and the elements in our life. To help us grow. Now, you basically highlighted the sun, the seed, and and the soil. And, you know, the sun, I was almost thinking, as, as good a metaphor as it is, because sometimes the sun gets scorching. We have this wrong view of God. He's, he's there to get us if we don't do exactly right. And that was kind of, I won't say it was fully where I was, but I still yeah. had that kind of in the back of my mind. And But there's also, you talked about the clouds that obscure. Well, we need rain. We need the rain from the sky. We need the sun from the sky. Both are from that. But again, let's talk about that right view of God, because a lot of us struggle with that. Where, where do we get these wrong views? You, you talked about some of them. Let's dig deeper. Yeah, all kinds of places. Uh, uh, when we think about our early uh, formation, family of origin, we project all kinds of stuff onto God. Uh, bad theology that people have taught told us through different churches or teachings. Or something a lot saw of times, online. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Like, um, the, that we project like our father, our mother, you know, we project stuff onto God of who he is lies that we hold on to, connected to wounds or hurts. You know, my mom died and therefore God is not loving or this happened to me and therefore God cannot be loving. Well, that's a wrong view of God that often we don't even know we have. And so, and so a lot of our process of growing is replacing lies with truth of who God is and who Jesus says God is. Mm. Earlier today, I was uh, reflecting on something C.S. Lewis wrote. Hopefully you've written, uh, read the Chronicles of Narnia by by now, and you know the horse and his boy. And there's the scene where Shasta's walking in the dark to, you know, that last leg of his whole thing, and he's just ruminating how bad everything was for him. And then Aslan meets with him. And Aslan says, tell me what's wrong. And he gives, okay, this is this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and all these lines were after me. No, 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 no. There was only one line. It was me. And, mm. uh, and then Aslan retells Shasta's story, but with the missing elements about 
I was the lion who got you and Avaris together. I was the I did this, I did this. I was the lion who saved you when you were a baby dying in a boat. The the, the things that we don't know are the things that God wants to try and reveal to us, the, the bigger picture of what's happening. I don't know if that makes sense to you. <laughs> so good. A lot of my life, I saw God as a disappointed dad Mm -hmm. with a clipboard waiting for me to sin less and do more to earn his love or to receive it or deserve it. And so that's, that led me to Northern Pakistan to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make them proud. I'm going to do enough. And we all see God in different ways of an ATM machine or a bodyguard or a help desk ticket or uh, a, a disconnected father or a, uh, ambivalent father or a judge or an angry judge. And when we see God as a father who just loves us and not only loves us, but he likes us and we have been redeemed and sanctified and made righteous with Christ in us now that there's nothing more or less we could do to earn his love. That is a paradigm shift to, to, and it moves us from fear and control to trusting and receiving. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was reading through True, uh, True Face and the Cure, um, there was a line from a Michael Card song that kept coming back to me. He cannot love more and will not love less. And it finally clicked. It's not about my performance. God has been pursuing me the whole time. So, yeah, getting that right view, that loving view of the God, the heavenly loving Father is so important. But that informs the next aspect, and that's the seed, our self-perception. Unpack that for us. Yeah, I, you know, moving from, let, let's connect it to our theology, because yeah. our theology and our identity are interconnected. Right. If we see God as a disappointed dad or ambivalent or like a, a frustrated waiting for us to get our act together, then that shapes how we see ourselves. If I see God that way, I would see myself as a sinner striving to be a saint where um, I have broken relationship with God, which a lot of us were taught as the foundation to our salvation, mm-hmm. then broke relationship with a good and loving God. And therefore in our pride of what we can do, what's the natural human nature response to that? Well, it's I'm going to make right what I broke. Therefore, I'm going to sin mm-hmm. less, no more, do better in order to make right what I what I broke. So if we see him as waiting for us to do better, be better, to be okay with him, and it's like, well, surely God won't listen to me because I didn't have a quiet time this week. And we, <laughs> yeah. we have this framework of of expectations we put on ourselves. And therefore, if we if we see ourselves as a sinner who needs to do better to be better with God— well, what does that lead to? That leads to shame, which mm-hmm. says you're a screw up, Robbie, which leads to hiddenness, which leads to us being alone and disconnected with mm-hmm. God and with others. But when we see ourselves as saints who occasionally sin, we go, okay, there's nothing I can do to make right this relationship. This is the beauty of the gospel of grace that Jesus did it all. And he gave me a new heart. I'm I'm dead to sin and alive to righteousness. I'm a son or a daughter of the king adopted into the kingdom of God. Then that's a that's an identity of security as yeah. a saint. And, and that, that leads to me being known and therefore loved. Right. <laughs> I remember the picture going back to um to the true Facebook, mm-hmm. talking about the mound of, dare I say it, I grew up on a dairy farm, manure. Yep. And we all have that big mound. And the picture that 
that was painted was, okay, you're standing there, God comes up. We oftentimes see God is on the other side of that manure pile. We got to get rid of all it. No, no, no. God's standing right next to us. And he kind of looks at us, looks at the pile. Hmm. There's a lot there. And and minutes at first you're kind of going, okay, God's angry with me. Then he just kind of smiles and says, we'll take care of this together. And that... Mind you, like I said, I grew up in a dairy farm. That spoke to me, Robbie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The the other metaphor analogy I love is that we feel like caterpillars, but caterpillars have the DNA of a butterfly. Mm -hmm. They just are maturing into who they already are, which is a new DNA. And and that's why the seed option, a seed you can look at and go, well, just stay, you know, here and focus on protecting self-protection, self-promotion like the shell does. But inside, the potential of who we are has the DNA of an oak tree. So we're just maturing into who we already are. That is the process of maturing, not earning, striving, becoming something we're not. We have Christ in us. We get to mature into who he says we are. Right. The spirit of Christ is in us just waiting to come out. Well, we're going to continue talking with Robbie in just a moment because as important as these two truths are, having the right view of God and having the right view of self, this is not a solo project. We'll talk about that in just a few moments as we continue here on Faith Radio. Receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic. Sign up for the verse of the day email at myfaithradio.com. So God creates Adam. He creates man. But then he says, it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. I know we oftentimes think of that as, oh, that's a great thing for talking about marriage and, and uh, marriage relationships. No, 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 no. It goes so much further than that. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen. Robbie Angle, president of True Faith, is with us. And we, we've been talking about putting ourselves in the proper environment so we can grow in grace and the knowledge of God and in our relationship with him. But it's not just a me and him thing. Robbie, we've talked about looking at God as the sun, our theology, having that right view of him, our identity as seed. But, you know, you just don't set seed on a rock and say, grow it has to be planted someplace. Talk about that. Yeah. I think, you know, we all know that God has designed us to grow through the context of relationships. He made us in his image as a relational being, but let's be real. Finding relationships that actually lead to growth are really hard to come by. This is the art of relational dynamics. And so just to normalize for everybody out there, we've got a a epidemic that has real concerns in regards to loneliness, disconnectedness, the lack of friendship. And this is not getting better. Um, And it's, it's a skill and it's critical to the foundation of our formation and our growth and the way God has designed us as the body of Christ to journey together alongside others. And John 13, 35 says, by this, they'll know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Mm-hmm. The one another piece shows up a whole lot. And so the principles of finding community that leads to growth are so important and so difficult. So just to set that expectation right. for everybody in this, uh, But there are some practical things that we can do to move the needle. And first of all, it's just just remembering the priority of this for Jesus. It is the master plan of evangelism that he did life deeply with 12 and deeper with three. Mm -hmm. And the Dunbar number, he's a, a 
sociologist who said we have five, 15 and 50, and then 150 different capacities of relationships. Right. But most of the change in our lives uh, connected to our longings to be known and loved happen in our circles of five and 15. Right. And for a lot of people listening, they're going, man, I want a closer friend. I don't, I don't know how to do that. Well, there's two real building blocks to authentic community up in, in regards to the practicality of it. It's, do you have relationships or an environment of relationships that has intentionality and consistency? Mm -hmm. That's it. Like if you look around and say, God, who is in my life that there's some chemistry with, some connection with, then, then you have to ask yourself, am I consistent and I, am I intentional with them? Mm -hmm. Because intentional means when we get together, are we talking about heart level stuff? Right. Are we asking follow-up questions? That second question, we can all ask a first question, how oh, are yeah. you doing? But the gold is in that second and that third question. And that is intentionality. And consistency is real easy to determine whether you have that component of relational building, that relational building block uh, happening. Is it on your calendar? Yeah. We are all so busy. Uh, my buddy said, I, I told my buddy, uh, my bestie, I was like, hey, I need to focus on Emily in the season, my wife, because we have eight little kids and like I, she's the least squeaky wheel. So I need to prioritize her. And he goes, <laughs> you know, there's there's one answer to whether that's happening, Robbie. I was like, just tell me. And he's like, is it on your calendar? So <laughs> I think if anybody does a couple practical things today. Who is the friend that you would like to be the friend to them that you're looking for? Mm -hmm. Is it on your calendar a time to reach out to them? And yeah. that takes vulnerability and humility to put yourself out there because they you could we could get rejected, but that's out of that security of our identity that um, he he that we can move in in with vulnerability and authenticity to love others and pursue others to be the friend to others that we're hoping they are to us. Mm, I, I keep thinking about. When I was, again, I shared it earlier about when I was looking for those friends. And I actually, I had a lot of friends around me and family that was just, am I willing to be vulnerable with them? And yep. I, I reached out to five guys and they all were love to walk through your difficult time with you. And I, they each did it differently. I wasn't expecting the same out of each of them because they're each different people. But being vulnerable with them, being regular in my communication with them, again, went a long, long way. So, and, and that vulnerability, Paul, you practice trust mm -hmm. and the interconnectedness of us trusting others and receiving their love. Uh, love is the process of the giving and the receiving of needs being met. Not like help me move, but like attention, affection, affirmation, safety. We get to practice with each other. You practice with those yes. five guys, just like you're practicing with God. And the vertical and the horizontal, there's an interconnectivity there, which Jesus obviously knew. And that's why he said, this is it. Love God. And the second one is like it. Love others. This is where we get to practice out and they affect each other. You know, as the spirit is in you and those five guys, we get to be in the presence of God through each other and in practice what love looks like. Robbie, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for joining me today here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks, Paul. And people can check out all the resources. I know you, Robbie's working on a curriculum for uh, churches to help implement a lot of this stuff more deeply. You can find out more information as it develops at trueface.org.
org. Well, it has been great having you with me this morning here on Faith Radio. Thank you for joining me as I fill in for Carmen. Uh, one thing Carmen is doing, even though she's on vacation, because we already pre-recorded these, but maybe you're going through a time of loneliness and need a little extra encouragement, text the word LONELY to 877-933-2484. Every few days, Carmen will send you a message, or actually we will, a message from Carmen to help offer you prayer and comfort as you seek to, you know, resolve the issue of loneliness in your life. But 877-933-2484, again, text the word lonely to that and you'll join in well again thank you for listening to mornings with carmen and remember all these programs are podcasted at myfaithradio.com or wherever you get your podcast blessings on the day ahead we'll see you tomorrow Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.